Welcome to the Leanne McCoy podcast. On this podcast, we talk about a lot of things, mostly prayer, but also spiritual warfare, parenting adult kids, if that's even a thing. This is the place where I contemplate things that are too wonderful for me, where I share interviews with people whose lives have greatly influenced mine. What you're about to listen to is an interview with two people whose lives have tremendously gratefully, gratefully, hmm, and not so gratefully sometimes, but certainly greatly <laughs> influenced mine. And um, all throughout all of our podcasts, I'm reminding me, you, and everybody else that no matter what we're going through, God's got this. I'm Leanne McCoy, and this is my podcast. This is part two of my conversations with my daughters, Michael and Kaylee, the, a conversation we had during the Christmas holidays. We're reflecting on what it was like to grow up in the pastor's home. Many times my children have reminded me that they didn't get to choose the ministry. It was chosen for them before they were ever born. This conversation is the first one we've ever had where we simply discussed what it was like to be them. For all of our ministry, Tom and I made a concerted effort to let our children know that they mattered a whole lot more than the church. I'm not sure that we did that well enough, but what we have learned since our children became adults is that no matter how much we want it for them, Our kids have to own their own faith. There really are no grandchildren in God's family. When we're adopted in, we come as sons and daughters in the nuclear family. In this episode, you're gonna hear the girls' hearts related to the discrepancies between what the church ought to be and what the church was to them. We step right in where Michael had just finished sharing how two women met her where she was when she was in one of the scariest seasons of her life. If you listened to part one, you've picked up on this story, but just in case you need me to connect the dots, my daughter Michael got pregnant during the final weeks of high school. She was in a relationship that we considered not healthy and running away from a place and a position she felt like she couldn't live up to. That season of our lives was hard. I told someone it was like the earthquake that happened in 2011 in Japan, the one that shifted the earth off its axis about six and a half inches and shortened the length of our days by 1.26 microseconds. Our life was shaken enough to change everything. And when that happened in May of 2010, life as we'd known it was over. There were so many things I'd do differently based on what I know now. She and I might talk more about this on my podcast in the future. But back to this episode, it picks right up where Michael had finished talking about those women. And um, then she and Kaylee move into what I asked them are the worst memories or the worst things that happened in their lives as PKs. Michael, I really appreciate you sharing that because I think that it's... I don't know, just really interesting that the your most positive experiences were, like were support during one of the, the hardest times of your life. Yeah. Going through the worst of times in church and the best of times at the same time, that walk. Yeah. And all of it's really rooted in what makes it hard is that it's interpersonal relationships and and deeply personal to you guys, to us as, as ministry leaders, and then you as the ministry family. And it's good. It's kind of neat for me to hear y'all's positive experiences are 
you know, I don't think you can have that unless it is close and personal, but it's the close and personal that makes it hard too, you know? So anyway, like two sides of a coin. Um, let's move on then and talk um, about how kind of flip that coin and turn it over to talk about negative. Like, uh, um, do you have any specific memories of things that really impacted your life, you think, in a negative way that happened while we, um, you know, through the church? One that comes immediately to mind for me, Kaylee, is when um, I was really little, like four or five years old and really getting into the music at, during a worship service. And I was stomping my foot and dancing on the front row. And I saw two ladies in the choir, like pointing at me and laughing. And I know that it wasn't, you know, now looking back, like, of course, that wasn't done with ill intent. It was just like, oh, you're, you know, sweet little girl. But, um, it really hurt my feelings and made me feel embarrassed. And I always flashed back to that throughout my years in worship services. That is <laughs> don't, so don't sad. I've heard that story before. That's very that sad. sad. <laughs> it's so it sad. sad. My, my most, when you say that, and it's because it was connected with you, I was in charge of the Easter egg hunt and we were doing it at Thompson station park. And I don't ever remember us doing an egg hunt that didn't have, it felt like 10,000 people there, but I'm sure there weren't that many. And um, your grandmother had come over and she took one of y'all and then dad took the other of y'all and Kaylee, you were mine for that. And I was in charge of the whole thing. And before I knew it, the hunts had all been had. And I found Kaylee sitting on the side of the hill with her little basket and two little eggs that she had found in the whole hunt. To this day, I think, oh my gosh, I totally ruined my kids in the ministry. Because of one missed egg hunt. Because she only got two eggs. I know you were perfectly happy, I guess. But I forever, I feel sad just telling that story. It was so sad. Oh my goodness. And she gets so many eggs that go pile out of her bucket and into my pockets and it's crazy <laughs> crazy what about um, you michael i think most of my negative church experiences probably started when i was 12 years old but i mean i remember some childhood experiences i hated that every time the church door was open i felt we had to be there like there was a pressure from mom and dad coming down on us that we had to be there. Well, where else were you going to be? Like we were there. Well, yeah, but even <laughs> we'll leave you at home. Gonna gonna yeah. well, I didn't want to go to like, so when we go in the morning, we went to service and then we had to be a part of a Sunday school class. And then we had to mm. serve all three hours. We had to be there. Hey, hey, I went to church with dad at 8 a.m. for you years. Did. You would get up so DJ early. With right. As soon as I didn't get to, I... When you didn't get to, I got like, as soon as I didn't have to, I would not go. Yeah. But then Sunday nights, I like the vein of my childhood existence at church was Sunday nights. <laughs> Sunday night church. I could not church. stand being forced to sing in choir. choir. I did it's not choir. like choir. It oh my gosh, awful. We still, they still had youth choir when we started. And there was no other options offered, so I had to go to choir and I begged not to go and I hated it. I hated performing. I hated standing up in front of crowds 
and it just ugh, it made me ick. And the <laughs> one of the worst times in choir was when you know we're talking negative now. We talked mm -hmm. about how we weren't gonna mention like we'll mention names, first names when we do positive, negative. We're definitely wait, not mention names. <laughs> so if you know who you are, I'm sorry, but this was a very negative impact on me. But I we had a choir director leader that was also on staff and very young. So I guess learning curve there too. Um, but they intentionally were harder on me than the rest of the kids. And when I called them out on it, cause remember this is Michael outspoken and I'm not going to let any grievance in church go by without me saying something. And, um, I called them out on it and said, you treat me different than all the rest of the kids here. Why? And I think I knew the answer. I mean, I couldn't have been more than eight or nine, maybe 10 years old because you're the pastor's daughter and I want the rest of class to know you don't get any special treatment. Wow. Tell a 10 year old that, I mean, that makes me not want to go to choir even more. Yeah. And so you being on staff with my parents, that negatively hurt. I mean, there were staff, I, I had many, um, I don't know, not tension. altercations, but tension, <laughs> tension filled conversations with staff members that thought I needed to be knocked down a peg or two. And while I might have should have, but it was not their place. It might have been conversations my parents should have had with me, but they only fueled my fire and discontentment with the church as a whole. Because I was like, you of all people, I mean, it's one thing for some random stranger who doesn't know who I am to be rude, but for someone who knows what I go through and being a pastor's kid, and then you are going to be the cause of just ugh, like I, the ick, you know, I just didn't like it there anymore. And yeah. I don't really think I ever really loved it. Well, there's also no escaping that. It's not like you can no longer be the pastor's daughter in order to become another one of the kids in choir. Yeah. Like you just, that just, it was, it's like a, you know, and out of all of us, kids, like, a life sentence. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> life sentence of pastors. I was and born already convicted. All of, the, all, of the, all of the kids of all three of us, you went back to work. I went to church every day with my daddy from babyhood. Like, That's true. You did. Like I was in that building more than any of us, <laughs> besides my father. <laughs> Until I got older and mom came home after Kaylee and TJ were born. And so maybe that's deep seated in me. I just <laughs> hated that building. I was there all the time. Um, but, and then I, as I got older, when I was 12, I started playing travel ball. And that was something that y'all, I'm sure, might have gotten some flashback mom and dad for because your daughter was out of church on Sundays for weekends um, for sports. And I definitely heard um, different opinions on that. Um, one being from another staff member saying, I would never let my daughter play travel sports. And I said, well, that's such, I'm like maybe 14 at this time. And I said, that's such a shame because if your daughter never plays travel sports, then they'll never have an opportunity at a college career in this day and age. Well, I would never let my daughter miss church. I said, well, I don't technically miss church. My team has a Bible study every Sunday. And isn't it biblical that we're two or more gathered? I'm not missing church. I'm just, my church is different. That's the thing. 
and we'll start quoting scripture. Right? Yeah, what we do <laughs> scripture in our defense because it got Which to the point exactly where Which is exactly what to. Jesus did in the desert. <laughs> yeah, he did. And Jesus also quote like quoted scriptures to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, mm-hmm. the religious people that caused problems. Mm-hmm. And that was a deep hurt from a person that was in, on staff in charge of the particular group I was in at 14. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you know, I'm not trying to let people put two and two together, figure out people, but those are things that hurt mm-hmm. me um, in the time that I was making the decisions for myself and starting to get just this seed of anger mm-hmm. um, directed to the church. And I did walk into my mess starting. I mean, I think it all led up to that probably around 12 and pushing onward and only fed faster when I was 16 and met my children's father, you know, at a 14 at church. Hey, everybody, you know, mm-hmm. I met their dad at youth service. And so meeting who, where you meet someone doesn't always mean it's a good thing. you know. <laughs> um, so I met him at a youth service through friends and then started dating and all that stuff. And another thing that really bothered me, during my mess negative was that the people in church thought or think even still, sometimes I just think that as I'm older, I just don't have the same um, awareness about myself when I go to the church because the newer people in church don't necessarily know mm-hmm. everything about us as we're adults. Our lives are not as directly in, um, intertwined with our parents. Mm-hmm. And so we don't have to go to church every time the doors are open and we don't <laughs> have to be present for every little event. And so we aren't as intertwined. People know of us, but don't know as much as the people when we we're younger is that people in church, um, church members or people who attend church think they have a right to our life. They just have a right. They feel like they have a right to an opinion. That's what I was going to say though. Like mm-hmm. they like, the blanket, the most consistent, hurtful, negative experience that I had was just people feeling like they had an opinion when well, they didn't. You're like, allowed to have an opinion, or but people you don't have a right to share like it. They, yeah. Or, or are people feeling like they knew me like when they, didn't. when they didn't? Or I remember one time there was like this new girl at church and I was so excited because I had a new friend and like, she said really, I mean, it was really direct when I was like in seventh grade. She's like, I think it's so cool to be friends with the pastor's daughter. And I was just immediately turned off. I'm like, oh, you don't think it's cool to be friends with me as me? Like, it's because I'm the pastor. So there's like this political aspect of social dynamics. Celebrity status. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To be tied to us. I, I feel like I had friends that followed me around like that because I got special treatment or I could get away with things or I knew where the snacks were, you know. <laughs> something as small as yeah, that. Where the animal crackers are and which cabinets. Right. And I remember. snacks were with the Cokes. And, well, you know. When TJ's little friend um, came on staff, his daddy came on staff, he goes, now I can show you where all the leftover fall festival candy is. Because <laughs> you know? he was like in the insider's it's like club. Hand, right. It's handing the key to the, to the group. Yeah. Um, yeah. But really, would you say that the good outweighed the bad or that the bad outweighed the good or you're just still processing all of that? I think my process is still ongoing. I mean, Mm -hmm. as sitting across from Kaylee here, you know, she she isn't in our state anymore, not a member of Thompson Station. I still technically am a member and Mm -hmm. getting involved in my um, trying to 
I guess the biggest thing I had to do as an adult was own my own faith, um, mm -hmm. feeling overshadowed by my parents' faith. You know, when I went through my turmoil, I never didn't. I, I never said that God wasn't real or that the Bible wasn't real and didn't speak truth. I was just mad. Um, so much anger and hurt and pain, you know, hurt people, hurt people. And I was hurting and I didn't feel heard. And then the people that wanted to hear didn't feel genuine. You know, Kaylee and I talked about discernment of just knowing genuine people. Um, and we feel and remember the pain a lot more than we feel and remember the good a lot of the times. And that mm -hmm. also probably has to do with um, that you just haven't come to terms yet, quite yet healed from that pain. Because mm -hmm. it's hard to see past pain when you're trying to see the good. Um, but just having people gossip and knowing that people were all in my life when I was going through a divorce, um, custody. Mean, the fact that you go to church, TSC still as a 31 year old adult, like probably means it. Maybe the, because it's interesting because when you ask that question, I'm like, I feel like I would reflect on my childhood and say that the positive outweighed the negative. Like, I feel like the safety and the security and the love that I felt in my upbringing was a largely positive thing. And in my 20s, in the last three to five years, like, I've gone through the whole deconstruction process and really breaking down and owning my faith for myself and trying to understand the roots of it all. And that's been where my anger has come from, is my anger at how the church has the, the history of the church and how the church has been used as a political power and manipulated rather than like in, yeah, in the, in a fully heart centered Christ led way. Mm -hmm. um, and so like, but on a personal level, I think it was more positive than negative. And on a collective level, I have other opinions and other perspectives yeah. on that. And I feel like it's almost like, Maybe the opposite I for think you. Like you feel like it's like largely negative, but then like you see the positive in it so much so that you're choosing to raise your kids right. in the church. Well, and I had to see past the people. I mean, you know, after being in a world that I felt like I was in a fishbowl and had to live my life so perfectly, how can I expect them to do the same? Yeah. Um, I had to see past the, and I do, I feel it's the opposite. I think because of the time of my pain with the church, especially the church I was in, obviously I don't have a collective overview of church. I can just tell you that from the people that claim they're Christians that I've met and walking in the different lives and workforces and stuff that, you know, the church needs to step up where it comes to love. Yeah, We're very quick to condemn and tell people the rules they should be following instead of just saying, Hey, Jesus came down here to love, you know, it's God's job to judge and judgment day will come, but it is nowhere near any adult or religious person or Christian's job to judge anyone. Um, and I think in a lot of parts that the church and especially my experience, love did not come first. Um, I felt a lot of times people would come up to me and say, what can I pray for you specifically for? And it wasn't out of a good place in their heart that they wanted to pray for me because if it was a good place in their heart, they wanted to pray for me they would have said, and if I had said, God knows, they would have said, great, I'll pray for you. Just know I'm praying for you and I'm here for you. And then they would have walked away instead of some of the instances where I experienced what God told me to ask you specifically what to pray for. And when I told them God knows, and you can just pray for me, 
And then they kept pushing to get that detail. It was almost like you just want to be in the in. You want to be in the knowledge. You want to be able to say, I know what's going on with the pastor's daughter that's going through a divorce or those being abused or, you know, there's so much of my life that I felt people thought that it was a, it was better for them if they knew what was going on with me instead of just being someone that I could count on to love and care. They just wanted to be in the know. Mm-hmm. And that's where gossip comes in. And so in order for me to heal, you know, moving back home to get separate from my ex-husband and get my kids to safety and myself to safety, coming to church, I never liked it. And there were a lot of Sundays I wouldn't go when I first came home. Um, but as I healed and went through therapy and stuff and my parents strongly, uh, and not well, strongly insisting I go because that's encouraged, (laughs) encouraged to go because that's where, you know, children, you got to have some sort of foundation for your children to be raised in. And while I do not appreciate how as a whole, how my life was handled from 12 to 22 and, you know, I'm not proud of my life choices. I'm not happy with how I was treated. I'm not happy with how I treated others. Um, I came to realize that people are people and they're all hypocrites. I mean, we are all hypocrites. None of us are perfect. Right. Our ideals are all exceed our capacity. capacity, But our goal is to be as Christ-like as we can be. And when we fall to pick each other up and be forgiven and to forgive others, uh, especially if we expect Christ to forgive us. And so I started going to church and didn't get involved in a life group. I didn't want to be involved with people because that would mean opening up my life to be hurt again Mm. and to trust people that I just didn't trust. Mm -hmm. But I did want my children raised in church where they knew all the Bible verse, like the stories I knew they had a moral compass that could direct them into making the choices when they were older to make. Um, And I wanted them to have the foundation of good and evil and, this is right and this is wrong so that when they're older, they're not being, I don't even know what Christianity is. I don't know who Jesus is and having to learn what those stories are. I mean, my fiance coming to Christ with dad in the, um, in the summer and him not knowing some of the basic Bible stories, just because his experience with church is very lacking. I mean, he went a handful of times, but he didn't have that baseline to go off of. It's harder for him to learn you know, now as an adult, what could easily be instilled in someone as a child, you know, and we're offer making sure my kids had those beliefs set and set in their ingrained in their little minds so that when they're older to make life choices or they face pain and hurt and problems, I hope they do explore all their options, but they always know what they can hold on to, to be a solid anchor in their life. And so that's why I came back, um, into church and I'm trying to get involved more for my fiance. And I know in turn, it will be trying to get involved. You were leading the life group. (laughs) I was for a bit. Yeah. (laughs) That kind of faltered out. And that was more for women um, who weren't necessarily connected with a guy. And now I have a guy and I know the importance (laughs) that I need to be involved in an adult group. You know, when things happen in life, you need people to surround you. And you know, my fiance, 
broke his leg and uh, we had a Wednesday night group that just surrounded us with love. And that's a positive impact that's happened more recently in our life. And, mm -hmm. but of course my father was like, y'all been in a life group. Y'all would have had dinners for 60 days. And I was like, yeah, you too. Cause you live here, <laughs> you know, and we would have had more encouragement. Um, and so I have to see past the pain and that handful of people we that even talk about didn't that, have that part. I know there's a, there, there's so many parts we can be sharing. Um, there's just, it can be um, very hard. And sometimes just with my own faith, I had to let go of the pain and let go of the handful of people that make mistakes. Because when they die, they'll answer to God for those mistakes. And when I die, I'll answer to God for mine. And that's kind of how I had to move forward in order for me to do what was right by my kids in my, in my view, in my opinion, in my life, in my faith. Versus um, worrying about somebody else causing me to have more heartbreak and pain and proving to me that people are not perfect. <laughs> so. No. When I think about the, um, there's kind of an overarching theme I hear y'all saying as I'm just hearing it. It's pretty cool to be at this stage of life. And look back because you're separated from it enough, like 10 years almost, um, to have a, a more of a bird's eye view. It's not like you're just coming out of the woods and telling about how bad the woods were. Like you're removed from it for a little while in space. And um, I think that there's the, the overarching theme is trying to live up to what, what you perceive as people's expectations of you. And then being angry that they get to have those expectations and they don't really get to, they just have them or, or they don't. It's just what we, we perceive that they have. No, and, I mean, when I was going on a mission trip at 21 years old, mm -hmm. there was a few men that came to dad and gave their concern about me going off the deep end because it wasn't a Baptist, you know, a Southern Baptist organization that they approved of and it's we like talk about <laughs> i'm sorry but who are you these are men that i had no relationship with it's not like they were my youth pastor or my teacher or my mentor i had no personal relationship with them they just felt like they it was their spiritual duty to offer their concerns and thank god that tom mccoy had the wisdom to no. communicate with them like hey like this is where she's feeling led by god and i'm i trust her and i'm very much engaged in this process and like don't worry like it's good it'd be all right little mm -hmm. did they know what was on the horizon for little <laughs> kaylee ray <laughs> <laughs> no but even that it's like even where I was the most passionate and the most dedicated and the most devoted, there's still naysayers. And it's like, well, that's probably a good sign. If we don't have naysayers, then we're not on the right path. Hmm. You know, I don't like, necessarily <laughs> think I was on the right path. <laughs> I wouldn't trade the, pro the problems I caused or the heartache I caused myself or others around me or the choices I made because, and to ask me to do that or say that I'm sorry for what I did would be like asking me to say, I'm sorry I had my daughters. And I'll never say that. You know, I w if, if somebody were to tell me, could you go back in time? If you could go back in time, would you change? In fact, I've been asked, would you change the steps you made in order to 
now knowing hindsight 2020 and all of the mistakes and all that stuff and absolutely not what's the point if you wouldn't know if you didn't have that experience i would still well yeah but if i'm hindsight but for you to have so much criticism in such a dramatically different experience in your 18 to 22 range and then for me to also have that criticism when i'm like you know you're making all the right choices yeah Yeah. (laughs) making all the right choices and it's just like yeah we're just going to be criticized because of who we are right that yeah, what we're, ta- we're past uh-huh. no matter what path we take, their criticism right. is coming because it's never perfect in everybody's opinion. Like, mm-hmm. and that was goes back to my Which thing of they think they have life. a right like, to opinion of our life. And being in an apartment, moving out behind my parents' back, making my sister promise not to tell anybody, and then having people, you know, having my address shared and people just show up—that's crazy. And I would hide in the bedroom crying because everyone wanted to share with me how I was ruining my life, how I was ruining my family's reputation. But no one, like I said, it felt to me like no one heard me except Casey and Angela. And those were people of my positive experiences. But that negative feeling of so much anxiety and depression that encapsulated me to gain 70 pounds during a pregnancy. I mean, I was alone and on an island and no one cared to know why I ran. Like everybody just wanted to be like, you ran, you have to go back. And oh my God, you had sex before marriage and you got pregnant. What are you going to do? Well, guess what? What do you have to say for yourself, young lady? Right. <laughs> Answer for your sins now because this is what's right and what's wrong. And you know what? No. I, I Like, I think Angela and Casey offered me that life preserver that showed me that God was true and not quite so harsh. I mean, so much... Like, I don't even like to think about it. It just makes you feel heavy. And um, that was the pain that I had to move past. And I'm, you know, having my life just broadcasted in service too. I mean, I have people text me, did you know what your parents shared? Or did you really move out? Did you really get pregnant? Just all this stuff. Yes, I did. No, it's not your business. I mean, I went from having 3,000 friends on Facebook to like 45. Like, I was tired of everybody's opinion. Um, and I'm not mad at my parents. That's their right and their pain too and what their experience, what they've gone through, that I put them in that position. Um, but it did not give people a right to protect them and save them because I felt like everybody was going to bat for mom and dad and nobody was in my corner to bat for me. Um, and so that's why a lot of my just negative connotation of church came from y'all all go to bat for the pastor and pastor's wife, but what about the pastor's kids? Y'all don't go to bat for us. I mean, we should be the ones that you do protect because if we're, if our parents are so special to protect, we are their children. You want to protect us. You should want to protect us. So I didn't feel very protected. Got it. You know what? Every church lady and man should hear Michael and Kaylee's voices. We need to take a long, hard look at ourselves, and PKs might just be the best ones to help us do that. In John 13, 35, Jesus said that our love for one another would be what proves to the world that we belong to him, that we are his disciples. I wonder what our PKs might say if our love for each other were to be the one thing we do better than anything else. What might happen if, as the church, we made loving people our number one priority over and above all else, except worship, of course. What if Michael never felt like she had to measure up to impossible expectations? 
What will happen to the next young girl who knows she's let her parents down? What if every girl facing an unplanned pregnancy knew that she could walk into any church on any corner and be welcomed with open arms? What if our expression of love to the people around us was as extravagant as Jesus's expression of love toward us? Let's make it our mission to change the way people view the church by loving the dickens out of them.